Hello, bienvenidos. Welcome to De Colores Radio. This is episode 84. Uh, we are wishing you all love and abundance because a lot of us are going through it. As always, thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Eva Arreguin, and this is De Colores Radio. Last episode, we had the privilege of bringing the powerful, wise, Amber Sims back again as our juice guest host for the week. Then, of course, we had the hilarious, incredible Emilio Cucci, uh, Meg the Stallion's own right hand photographer, videographer, artist extraordinaire, um, came and graced us with his presence as well. Um, I was a little bit nervous before that episode, but we ended up clicking so well. And he was amazing. And I left feeling like a high for several days, which was really dope. Um, so hopefully you all listened and enjoyed that episode as well. Um, please remember, if you want to see the full, raw, unedited XXX video version of any of our latest episodes, you can subscribe and get exclusive behind-the-scenes content at patreon.com slash Co. You can access those video episodes for as little as $3 a month. Uh, we have been running for almost five years now. And of course, uh, most of our um, content, events, everything has always been free and or low cost. So this is something we would greatly appreciate as we continue to try and become a sustainable platform, which is our goal. So I have to ask, is New Mexico in the house? Where are you at, New Mexico? Hello. Hello. I am a New Mexican officially. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not New Mexican. I don't I'm an old Mexican. Mexican. <laughs> That's that what they call like, themselves here. And yeah, I have to like, get used to that because it makes me laugh. Sounds like some old, like, Raza Atzalan <laughs> type of shit. But yeah. Anyway. Like, I'm not from Mexico. I'm a New Mexican. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how yeah. are you, Patty? I'm I'm doing good. It's still pretty hot here, but I have moved into my new place. Congratulations. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, my plants are digging it, so that's a good for me. How are you doing? <laughs> Your plants are digging it? Yeah, they're, they're digging it. But I'm good. Um, you know, I realized yesterday that I should probably stop asking people how they're doing because, like, none of us are actually that great, but we're, like, managing uh -huh. um and so i'm catching myself as i just asked you that once again should um, we ask it in a different way yeah we'll probably research that for next episode <laughs> <laughs> but uh I, anyways i i actually feel pretty all right i am um i feel like i've been a little braver lately i still do at home tests to be safe and mask up everywhere but i have been lucky enough to do a little bit more creative and exploration things in the last few weeks i mean so. you also got a new announcement that came out this week you oh want to talk about that God. a little bit Not i you. mean i'm gonna i'm all embarrassed you had some of it on your little bevy so i do have it on my little bevy which you can watch at patreon.com slash decolores no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> uh, no but uh i did i uh announced a ambassador sponsorship with a local 
um, like Mexican candy company called Gepica, which one is, of our featured brown businesses of the week. Yes. And I'm just very excited because I really love their products. So it's very easy for me to be like, y'all, this shit is good. Um, because if anything, I am an honest woman. And so I am obsessed with their rim dips. I drink a lot of seltzers and like ranch waters, palomas, margarita type of vibe. It was even um, good on our dried fruit. I yes. remember we ate it on the dried mango and it was really yes. good. Yeah, so it's good for fruit, snacks, etc. They have lots of little candies as well. Um, but if you want to check it out, you can use my promo code. Hey, that's so weird to say. Um, <laughs> Eva15 at checkout for a discount on your order. Um, so please do that and show some love to your girl because we out here and we, uh, you know, hey. we're doing the best we can. Yeah, I'm definitely going to order some more because I finished my mango belts. Yeah, those are good. So. Mm-hmm. I, I just recently tried the Gushers. I'm obsessed. I'm already almost done with the bag. I was like, this is embarrassing. But we, do love, we do love spicy sour candy. That's like kind of our favorite type. Of it is. It is a thing. But anyways, we will move on. I think that means it's time for everyone's favorite. Doo-doo-doo-doo. Me mood. All right. Um, Yeah, you're not going to let me do the intro. You can intro it. (laughs) You're ready. Mine's. I feel like I did a good one this week. Okay, okay. Let me intro you so we can get them in the mood, (laughs) for real. I want to give you, our listeners, an insight into our personal energy, into how we are feeling right now, into the reality of our existence. This is what I consider the modern-day diary, that's right. We're translating our feelings the best way we know how. Memes. It's time for me mood. What you got, Pat? Okay. So like I said, I moved into a new apartment, right? right. So I saw this meme. I think you tweeted about it. A couple other people circulated it. And I was like, I haven't had a landlord um, since 2018. So it's kind of been an adjustment. But <laughs> this was very accurate about how I felt in this moment. So it's a screenshot of a tweet that says, my landlord painted over a fucking roach. (laughs) I said I was the roach. (laughs) And the roach looks like she's in um, one of those musicals. Like she's having a Chicago baby. Hello, my dog. (laughs) Has a leg up in the air. Um, And I just kind of felt like that was accurate because obviously- You feel like the roach? I feel like the roach because all the stuff that piles up in terms of like all the moving expenses, all the things to set up, um, all the things you need to buy. Uh, So yeah, I just very much felt like the roach, like, holy crap, I'm in a landlord position again. But it's kind of also funny because the roach is like living life stuck permanently on the wall, painted white. Forever. Yep. So that was little roach. Yep, so that was my mean mood. Well, can you share with them what I have? Because I don't even know how to set it up. I think it's pretty much just a visual image. I our, saw it and our... thought of you. Thank you. I'm so glad that my impact is this large. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I did grow up watching one Blue's Clues, which we will talk about more in the, in the juice. Um, but it's a picture of the OG, Steve. And it says, if you on my page looking for clues, here's one. 
and he's flipping the camera off. <laughs> I don't know. With the like, cute is. little Blue's Clues background. Correct. I don't know if this is somebody edited this really long finger. It doesn't look real. I was um, going to say, maybe somebody screenshot like the show when it was on and then. I don't know. But made it, it look that way. Steve said, don't F with me. There's no clues here. Talking <laughs> directly to my face. And that is how I feel. So <laughs> with that, I believe we have our me mood updates. So now I can share with you all that we have an absolutely jam-packed show today um, full of several badass Dallas, Texas women. Uh, this is obviously intentional. You may be hearing from some familiar folks like Jody Voice and fresh faces like Victoria Farrell Ortiz and Priscilla Escobedo. Um, in a new segment we are calling Southside, What's Up? Today's interview guests will be profound Texas performance artist Christian Cruz. However, right now, baby, it's time for the tea, the juice, and I'm happy to bring in the beautiful, loving, rosy, a model queen, and deeply kind human being to join me as co-host today. This is The Juice, where we discuss the latest gossip on pop culture, politics, news, and more. Welcome to the show, Rosie. Hi! How are you? Good, how are you? Where, look, I just hey. said I was going to stop I know. asking that. We both. Wow, I didn't even listen to my own advice. <laughs> Anyways, I'm all right. I'm glad you're here. I had the pleasure of meeting you last week, and your energy is so beautiful. And I said, yeah. you know what? Let me let me bring them onto the show. The feeling is mutual. You know, I love uh, you. I adore you so much. <laughs> likewise. I had seen you um, all over the internet, really, especially in the last year or two. Um, <laughs> you do incredible work. You really, really have mastered yep. uh, what modeling looks like. Um, <laughs> and you've worked with everyone, I feel like. So tell I'm us trying. a little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how'd you get into modeling? Um, so funny story. Um, I went to UNT and I had a friend of mine who was a fashion design student and she needed models for one of her final collections. And she reached out to me because she was like, well, you look like you have the perfect look for what I want. And I was like, Ooh. I mean, I guess yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to model, but I've always put myself in this box like, oh, I'm too short. Like, mm. I can't model. And then I went and she had um, these two other models who were like signed agency models. And I was oh, just wow. so intimidated the whole time. <laughs> and I did it and I was like, wow, this was so like euphoric. Like wow. I've never felt that feeling before. I was like, I do not want to get away from a camera ever what again. What year was that? That was 2017. Okay. So it's oh, we barely it. missed you. We were at UNC oh, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we left we left right before then oh but so you've been doing this for a minute that's about four years going yes. on five and you well, I mean I've only known you the last year or so so yes. I'm like I've seen really sharp stuff so how has it been the experience for you it's been such a like learning experience because honestly I never thought fully that I was capable of it mm. until like I actually started doing it more and I was like wow wait I can do this. Like yeah. if you're truly passionate about something and you love it and you put your all, like you can achieve some really dope things. For sure. No, absolutely. And, and so I'm glad, I hope you recognize now that you can do that and so much more. 
And I think your career is just getting started and you have the right heart as well. So it's all there. And we, we hope to keep seeing you shine. I know I had the pleasure of kind of working with you recently and you are so loving, so gracious and so damn good at just tapping into that sensuality, which I think yes. is also um, a part of what you're saying, right? It's like, oh, I didn't think I could do this. And so a lot of times it's hard for a lot of um, women to kind of tap into that sensuality because it's yes. often seen as like a weapon. Um, so I, def I definitely think that's something I'd love to talk more about with you later. Um, but we do have you here for the juice. So we yes. have some topics to discuss. Um, we always like to start kind of with the sad or like kind of harsh news um, simply because we want to hopefully get lighter as the news goes on as we go into the segment. Um, I did just want to like say rest in power and, and send some condolences to Michael K. Williams um, loved ones because it's very tragic to see, especially recently, how many people um, keep passing, especially um, it seems a lot of like black entertainers keep passing kind of yeah. suddenly. And so I think that a lot of that does have to do with um, life and racism and all these other components that, that are inherently a part of uh, existence. Um, and then it also brought to mind that I believe September is Suicide Prevention Month. It is. And, um, that is something I've also seen you discuss, which I really appreciate. Um, because it is something very near and dear to me and something a lot of people are afraid to talk about. Yeah. Um, and because I feel like a lot of us don't have the tools to do so. I think even if you're um, experiencing things, and I guess I should say trigger warning, right? Um, if you're experiencing things like that, it's like when you're in survival mode, like where do you turn, you know? So for um, yeah. Exactly. And so I, I did see something about um, Michael K. Williams that said that like, he kind of was saying that he was really traumatized by the last show he was a part of and they didn't really offer much aftercare. Um, and that made me really, really more heartbroken than just the loss of an incredible artist. Um, but also like in my own personal experiences, I was like, whoa, like it is true. Like I, I felt like when I did need a place to go, I didn't know where to turn because a lot of these institutions um, are also very traditional in their models and so yeah. I'm, I, I really hope to see growth and change in how um, society at large handles this and I'm sure we can talk more about this probably even next episode um, with um, I might talk to one of our producers about it um, just because it is a very serious thing and so I, I wanted to tap into that and just shed some light on that as well. Yeah and I think it's definitely important because he struggled with addiction and mm -hmm. a lot of times we don't see addiction as a disease as a society we we dehumanize addicts Absolutely. when there are people who are struggling like behind their addictions it's someone with a lot of trauma a lot of depression a lot of anxiety mm -hmm. and I feel like as a society like they dehumanize them right because they see them as lower than or less than yeah like oh they're an addict they got themselves into that situation and it's just like no it's no. way deeper than that more often a mental health issue that is been it's used it's being used to cope um so i, I did want to send love to anyone who is um, suffering or has been impacted by this um, and then just shed some light in that um it can get better it is very hard <laughs> um, it and is. especially in this day and age especially in the pandemic um, where isolation is one of the top reasons why people become that way it's it feels almost impossible to not 
um, feel that to some degree. Not to say that that makes it okay, right? But I think it at least reminds us that we're, um, I guess, less alone. Um, and I do encourage everyone to start doing more research on this um, for themselves and for their loved ones around them, um, because you really never know who's suffering. And we, it takes a village for all of us to be reminded of how loved um, we are. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I think on social media. I try my best to try to spread kindness Mm -hmm. as much as I can, because you don't know what people are going through. Like, especially because I've struggled with my mental health for like Mm -hmm. years. Right. So I know how it is to want help, but not be able to get help because you're so stuck in that same, you know, black hole. Absolutely. And even if you're like, I know in some cases, because I've been pretty transparent about my mental health as well, is like, you can tell, you can tell people that you're suffering and that doesn't mean they'll help you, um, which is a hard thing to also kind of come to realization with is like, you could have a huge following, everybody could think your life's perfect, you could be the most beautiful model in the world, like, any of these things are options. And that doesn't stop it from happening. That doesn't stop hard conversations from with your loved ones from being necessary, right? To say, Hey, I'm not, I'm not doing well. I need you to do this to help me. Um, and, and people can't do that, right. That should not be expected of people either. Um, so it's just a lot of layers. And, and so again, hopefully I can kind of get into it a little bit more, um, again in the future, because it is something I'm deeply sensitive to. And so I do appreciate that you share that as well, because I think it's very powerful, um, for people to share their testimonies as well as, um, I know it's kind of cheesy, but like kindness is definitely bare minimum, right? Like people aren't even kind to each other sometimes. No, they're not. They're so mean on the internet. (laughs) The internet can be brutal for sure. But um, with that said, speaking of very not nice people, uh, Texas politics have not stopped (laughs) by any means. And um, it's just really, we've been the talk of the town mostly because of um, this basic extreme outlaw on abortion. Um, embarrassing. It is so embarrassing. We also have um, another law that's pretty major that made it even stricter to vote here in Texas. Um, so it seems that uh, conservatives in Texas are doing absolutely everything they can to take us back into the like dark ages of like women having no rights or not even just women, right? Let me be more specific. People with Um, uteruses not having any rights over their own bodies Um, and there's so much I can say here and I know it'll make me emotional so I want to tap into what your feelings or thoughts are about this because I don't know if I want to get that riled up but there's a lot of different deep components that are frustrating (laughs) girl don't even honestly I'm not even gonna lie I'm gonna be really transparent right now like Mm -hmm. it makes me super anxious Mm -hmm. because I am someone I've always known that I wanted to live a child-free life mm. and I'm, I'm pretty open to not wanting kids, but right. as of now, it's not something I want in my right. future. Right. So for that to be like a law, like, you know, not be able to access abortion or get, you know, criminalized for having one, it, it's terrifying. I'm like, absolutely. then what? Like, and as someone who struggles with her mental health, if I were to get pregnant and I wasn't in a great mindset like what would I you know you know what What I'm saying like what would that lead me to where would that take me 
because I know I don't want a child. Same. So I did not know we shared these same sentiments, but literal same completely. Really? I did not yeah. know. That. Yeah, no, it, I it's feel real. so seen right now. Yeah, because I'm like, I don't know what my future holds, right? Uh, who knows? Maybe my decision will change. But for the most part, I've always said I, I'm happier being the cool Thea. Um, and I've even joked, actually, that the concept of having kids scared me more than death. And <laughs> <laughs> wait, oh, my God. I would literally, yeah, it's so bad no. to say this, but I, I said once that if I were forced to have a child, I'd rather die. Yeah, no, literally. And and I don't say that to like be funny, right, or anything. It's just, I think it has to, a lot to do that I grew up very Catholic. I went to Catholic school. So they really like ingrained these ideas in our head of like, you know, just not really tapping into your sexuality by any means and kind of being afraid of it. And so the concept of having a kid was just like, the worst thing I could ever do. Um, and so now I'm definitely unpacking that idea for myself. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, no, I, I don't know where that would mentally take me. Um, because then if you struggle with mental health, some days you're like, it's, I struggle enough to take care of myself. How can I bring someone else into the that world? That is one of my top reasonings as well. I don't want, because a lot of people think, okay, you're financially stable. You can have a child, but it's so much more. You have to be emotionally there for them because if you're emotionally right. absent, there's a trauma right there. Right. No, absolutely. So, so what the government basically said is after six weeks, um, if someone gets an abortion, they can technically be sent, uh, or, or get fined up to $10,000. They can be sued. Um, and that includes like, they even created a hotline that people could call to basically whistleblow on folks. That was, um, very quickly, uh, knocked down by some, by some good old internet people so shout out to them iconic right but it was just it's just so comical and the part that i think makes me the most frustrated um is just how deeply scary and manipulative men are um uh, specifically i guess in this case like cis hetero men um and not just the politicians but also just like in the dating world like i can't tell you the number of times guys have pulled shit on me um, and I've literally been on, this is very personal information, right? But I have been on birth control since before I even started having sex out of fear. And that is very depressing to me because I'm like, wow, in the state of Texas, I have been afraid of my body and or reproductive system rights since the time I was a teenager. And almost 10 years later, I'm still even more afraid, right? Yeah. Um, so it is very sad because I, I think that's the part that I saw some threads that were saying like men were going to purposely get women pregnant so they could turn them in um, and stuff like that. And that just made me really, really uncomfortable um, because I think that's a component as well that people aren't really talking about is how manipulative men are oh, no, um, and real. how they will do stuff or they will take a condom off or stuff like that. And all of that is still really disgusting um greg abbott said he was like super anti-rape which was another component as if he can just get him off the streets and he said he was going to bring him to justice which is also complete bullshit because every police department in this country is backed up with um rape test kits they do not do that mm -hmm. um, rape go unreported there's a lot of stats that prove otherwise and so to see this um is incredibly disheartening and a complete injustice to anyone in the state of texas um that has a reproductive system. Definitely. 
and uh, I have a lot more thoughts and everything on it, but I don't want to get more worked up. I, I think it is abysmal. It is an embarrassment. It is heartbreaking that people don't want to come here. They don't want to work in the state of Texas. They are going, um, you know, extreme lengths. And I, I, I like at this point, I'm just like shout out and power to everybody fighting for reproductive rights because definitely. Oh, sweet God, it is rough out here. And and again, it's week after week we see Greg Abbott doing something to make our life more miserable. Please vote that um, man out, please. <laughs> it's very bad. But I and that's the thing that I'm like, even voting them out, right? There's still so many conservatives True. that have been empowered by him. Um, and so there's just so many more layers. And so obviously voting is one component, but I'm like, no, there's still mass change that needs to happen beyond. Um, just that and and I think they're doing their best to to take us back as much as they can before we can move forward um, because like in a state of Texas if you look at more recent like demographic statistics you'll see that like it is becoming a lot more black and Latinx right and they're afraid of that so I think that's why they're being even they more be afraid. yeah I think they're being even more intentional about creating chaos for us um, however in very surprising uh, bright news um, Mexico apparently voted to decriminalize abortion this week. Um, I was completely shocked. It is a per, like majority Catholic nation. I think it's something like over 82% of the country is Catholic. Catholic. Damn. Um, and so that was really, um, surprising to hear, but also made me feel a little bit of joy. Uh, Mexico is by no means that progressive, um, but it <laughs> was all. definitely it was definitely surprising and affirming that like okay, we're a little we're being validated to some degree here, um, if not in the United States. Um, but yes, so that was and it shows that me. you can separate politics from religion as well. Right, right. But in a place like Texas, we cannot. <laughs> I mean, but we should, though, because it's like I was raised in a Catholic household, but and I was baptized Catholic, but I don't I do not practice Catholicism. Like, that's right. not what I identify as. And I respect anybody's religion, but I don't think that it should be mixed with, you know, politics. Absolutely. And I agree. Showed us. Yeah, I'm like, I agree. And, you know, we're in Texas. So they're like, no, nope, we're going to put this front and front and center, baby. Um, so an even lighter, lighter, lighter news. I did not expect to see or get closure from a man this week. And I did. <laughs> Mr. Steve from Blue's Clues came Gave back. Abandonment. Yeah, <laughs> abandonment issues. <laughs> I gotta talk Honestly, about him in therapy. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. Um, yes. So I don't, I think they're celebrating the 25th anniversary of Blue's Clues, which definitely made me feel a little bit old, but it's okay because getting old is not bad. Um, but I guess they're doing an anniversary show and to promote it, they brought out good old Steve in his striped shirt. Now he wears a cap and glasses because he probably works in like the Bay or something for <laughs> Facebook. He lives in the corporate world. Yeah, for real. Something, some kind of vibe. But he uh, came back and really released a really sweet message. And I definitely got watery eyed. And I was like, wow, I felt seen and heard. And it made me realize a lot of things. So I don't know if you were a Blue's Clues baby. I was. I definitely okay. Was. I was Help like, I, it was just, it made me feel very seen and like, it was very sweet. And it I felt like wow. a hug, like a virtual hug. 
It did. And usually I don't fall for those things, but that one worked. <laughs> I was like, thank you, Steve. But it was like, mm, you left for college and you're just now like <laughs> coming back. Like, why I'm are you telling you? Ex? No, I'm dead. Oh, no. Like, you coming out of the blue? Like, out of no blues mm. clues. That's his clue. Yes. You better find him. That's the new series. I'm dead. <laughs> Anyways, it was very sweet. I don't know if I'll actually watch the anniversary, but I was like, wow. And I think Pat was like, oh, I didn't really watch it like you. I'm like, yeah, you didn't. Because it was very much for like toddlers, I feel like. It was very much aimed at young, young kids. And they yeah. show like baby. What's that other show? Not Baby Bear. What was it called? Uh, I don't Blue? remember. Wait, was it? No. No, there was like Franklin the Turtle, Blue. Oh, Blue. the Bearskin Bears or no? no, that was on PBS. What was it, Pat? Do you know what I'm talking about? It was like a little bear, little bear. Oh, little Bill. Yeah. No, oh, little no, Bill. not little Bill. But no, I think it's little, little bear. I think it's little. They're all Nickelodeon, no? No, the bear one is PBS. I don't remember it being a bear. Oh, there's another bear. I'm thinking of little bear. I think it's called little bear. Yeah, that's anyway, Pat, do you know what I'm talking You're about? You're talking about the one that was the bear with the like all the animal friends yes. it's based on a book series. I, I think, think it's it is Little Bear. Little Bear. Um, was it you know Nickelodeon? Yeah, it, was it Nickelodeon. all came on. Because I ever would is. watch Blue's Clues and then I would jump on and watch Little Bear with her. It was like it was like a bear that looked like an actual bear and he would walk normal, and then he had a friend that was like a was it no? I'm see now I'm mixing up. The, no, it's the Little Bear. We're right. Okay. Little Bear Gang. Junior. Anyways, yep. uh, I'll post them in our comment thread. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I just thought that was really sweet. And I think everybody on Instagram was like, wow, we needed this for our spirit. Not Instagram, Twitter was like, well, I guess Instagram too. But they were like, we really needed this right now. Thank you yes. so much. And I'm like, yeah. Especially going through a pandemic, man. Yeah, no, we've been struggling. So Seems anyways. Like it was very cute and sweet to see. And then finally, um, as this airs to the public, it is probably about a week into um, what is considered Latinx or Latine um, or Hispanic Heritage Month. All these damn titles we can't get correct because we have identity issues. Um, <laughs> right. But that is currently happening. I, I am at a place where I'm... Um, I think I'm kind of over this concept of Latinidad because I think a lot of it adheres to white supremacy and I no longer want to align myself with that. I think a lot of times we had to out of survival um, and that is not to like shit on anyone that does, uh, but that's just where I am right now. But I'm like, I also at the same time understand and like appreciate and love my culture still. Um, but I think it's okay to critique it. So that's where I am. I don't really have a lot of feelings on it. Um, I do look forward to the different events and things and supporting people. But um, yeah, how? what are your feelings on this? How you do know, you feel? You know, the crazy thing is because I was raised in North Carolina half my life, I didn't know mm. September was Hispanic Heritage Month until wow. I was in middle school, like late really? middle school. Yeah, like you don't, I mean, it's North Carolina. I was like the only Hispanic in school. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was another girl and like, we were the only ones who spoke Spanish. We were the only Mexican ones. I didn't, I barely learned English when I was like, I mean, Spanish when I was like three or four. Yeah. It was like really, I didn't have that much touch with like me being Latina mm. until literally until I moved to Texas. 
Wow. When did you move to Texas? When you were a teen? Uh, I was like 11. Okay, yeah, 11. so preteen. Preteen. So you've gotten about half of your time in North Carolina. You still consider yourself a North Carolina girl? Well, yes, for life. I will never forget North Carolina. Definitely. I know nothing but- about North Carolina <laughs> besides like Petey Pablo. I'm pretty Miss cool. ma'am. Yeah. I have to take you one day. It's beautiful. It's very relaxing. I'm down. I'm down to visit all the places. I'm like, why not? Let's go visit. Let's see what's going on here. I think you posted about a chicken shop and that sounded interesting. Oh, Jangles, which is coming yes. next year. And you need to, I'm going to take you, okay? I'm going to take I you on a date. Wait. I'm into chicken very seriously. So I, they I'm ready. Oh my God. The best Cajun fries. Literally, I just can't wait till you taste it. So okay. you can see the greatness that it is. Okay. I want to feel the Bojangles. <laughs> I was going to say something else. Let me stop. That's not what I was trying to do, but it's fine. We're going to leave it there. So, well, what is, um, as we can return now from our juice topics to a few more questions about you before we have to jump into our interview for today. Um, I did want to ask you, what is your wish for those who are struggling to find their light in dark times? What is my wish? Oh, that's a good question. Thank you. I wrote it myself. My wish for, hmm. Oh my God. That is such a hard question. It is. It is kind of hard. I think I also mean like, what do you advise for those? Right. Because I think, um, something that you do very beautifully is obviously like you're very, you, you are the art, right? You are this visual presence as a model. Um, but I think it's also really powerful and telling that you do use your platform, um, to spread love and to spread awareness and these yes. things that like on these topics that people are still very uncomfortable about. Right. Yeah, um, cause I think everybody can spread awareness about a lot of different things and they're all very important, but this one specifically, means a lot to me so I'm wondering um I guess what you do for yourself and or I guess what you wish to see in the future yeah well for me I guess I would say is to sit with your feelings that's Mm -hmm. something that I always had a difficult time doing I would run away from it um I would try to you know drink it away sort of thing and I would yeah I would say like definitely sit with it and channel it channel it into beautiful things in your life especially like art I love, people don't know this, but I write a lot of poetry. I, I write my own little short stories. I don't share with anyone, but those are the things that I use my own inner pain, my the things that I don't talk about, and I channel it into art. And I think I definitely advise people to do that. Like, if you don't know what to do with that pain, make something beautiful out of it, for sure. I love it. I love it. That's your, I guess you're right here at home at the Colores, because that's definitely... <laughs> what we encourage and the type of people we love to bring on. So thank you for being with us. Thank you for sharing your heart and mind. How do we best support your work and where can we follow you? Um, You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Rosie Pears. Yes. Rosie R O S E Y Pears P E A R S like the fruit. (laughs) Yes. A flower (laughs) and a fruit. We love it. Yes. (laughs) All right, friend. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad that you you stopped by. And we're always in awe of your grace and your your heart. So please know that we're here for you and we're excited for what your future holds. Thank you. It's an honor. It's a joy. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you. All right. That wraps it up for us here at The Juice. And we will take a little break. 
Hello, this is our commercial break, where I am here to encourage you to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash decoloresco. You can also donate to us at decoloresradio.com slash donate. We've been doing all this amazing work for over four years. We deeply need your support and your help. You can get all the exciting BTS videos, all the cringy moments in between each segment, on our patreon so subscribe today thanks welcome back we have the pleasure today of welcoming to the show christian cruz christian cruz is a mother independent arts writer educator and award-winning multimedia artist her work takes the form of performance installation video and photo within a visual arts context She attended Columbia College Chicago for visual arts management and held the only residency at the National Museum of Mexican Art. In 2013, Cruz hosted and produced Foraneo, oh, I probably said that wrong, at Centro de Cultura Digital in Mexico City. She has performed nationally and internationally in galleries, museums, universities, festivals, and public spaces. In 2020, Cruz created the Artist Mama Fund for single mothers who are artists and created Dallas Performance Art Index, an online archive of Dallas performance artists. Cruz was recently awarded the Nasher Sculpture Center Artist Grant. She's currently in residence with Inverse at the Mom, the Momentary and has a solo exhibition at Guas Gallery here in Dallas, Texas, which runs through September 17th. She lives here in Dallas, and you can find her on Instagram as at Tejana Stories. Please welcome to the show, Christian Cruz. Yay! Welcome! How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so glad to finally be on here and get Yay. some quality time with you. Ah, stop. I feel the same mm-hmm. way. <laughs> um, wow. But yeah, I'm feeling blessed and highly favored beautiful I love it I I am very glad I feel very privileged to have you on because you did just have an opening reception for your most recent show here in Dallas and I was able to stop by I am in awe of your work um, from every little detail down to the snacks at your reception um, which I think (laughs) is a huge deal Um, so it was just really beautiful to be able to attend that and then to get you on this episode um, because your work has obviously uh, lots of power and lots of things to discuss. Um, So you are the key ideal type of person we want to have on the Colores Radio. So thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I remember uh, finding the the Colores when I moved back here to Dallas after I had been in Mexico and, um, And I just remember thinking like, oh, this is the network that I want, you know, Mm. to be a part of, or this is like my jumps, jump into, or my entry point into the people that I want to collaborate with or get to know better. Um, So it's nice. It's like a a full circle moment for me. Beautiful. I'm, I, I am, I've got chills hearing that because I did not know that. But so when was that that you came back from Mexico City? That is not my initial question, but now I'm curious. Uh, I, it was 2015. Okay, yeah. So it was yeah. right, pretty, pretty recently, still in the last five, six years. No, yeah, it's been six years. Yeah. Time. So then how did this, how did this journey begin? Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. 
Sure. Um, I grew up in Oak Cliff and um, my parents divorced when I was 10 and mm. life really shifted. You know, my parents met uh, off Jefferson Boulevard in front of wow. Fiesta. Wow. Um, You're a real Oak Cliff baby. Yeah, my dad used to work at Ranchito when he was 17, and my mom worked at Terry's across the street. So wow. that's how they met. And, and then the pawn shop right next door, my dad worked there for most of what I remember. Wow. Um, but I'm estranged from my dad, and I grew up with my mom only. And there's one, I'm one of four kids. I'm one of the older ones. And oh. my mom was a housekeeper. She also worked at a bar at night. Like it was, mm. it was pretty hard. Like we're under the poverty line and mm. really neglected a lot of the times because my mom was working so much. And, um, you know, I just knew that art was the way from the very beginning. You know, when I was little, I loved entertaining, I loved writing. Um, and I knew that I wanted to be involved somehow in like culture. Right. Um, so I went to Quintanilla Middle School. I went to Stevens Park. Um, and then, um, you know, in Quintanilla Middle School, I was like in band and art club. I was in theater and uh, I would say like middle school really changed my life. I had a band teacher that really believed in me and, um, mm -hmm a drama teacher that really believed in me and, and my drama teacher, her name is Rachel Moon. I think she works for like the, the DISD. Yeah. I feel like um, I've heard that name. Yeah. She, I know she always wanted to be a principal. And then the last time I, I kept in touch with her, she moved on to like an administrative level within the district, mm -hmm. but she started um, like a volunteer club and she opened up, you know, the, the search engine to find scholarships. And I found a scholarship to go to college because I had done so many hours of community service. Right. And, um, and yeah, I applied to theater, went to Booker T and it was just really rough at home. My mom had boyfriends, like, mm -hmm. you know, I was the product of a lot of abuse. A lot of, there were times I would like sleep in my car. Um, and just like had a terrible relationship with my mom. It, you know, so for me, like my family is, it's just full of trauma <laughs> to, yeah, you know, like, yeah, like physical, sexual, emotional things are like really heavy on that end. And, right. and that's um, something that I, I grew up really fast. I grew up to be super mature really fast. And um, yeah, I had always found a way that I could release um release that uh, emotional, I don't know, buildup in performance. I, I knew that I loved theater and I knew that I loved visual art. Mm -hmm. And so when I was at Booker T, I did a lot of tech work. So I would do like costumes, construction and design and, mm -hmm. and more of the tech, uh, the management tech. Which really so, helps in the long run. Yeah, it really does help in the long run. And, you know, everyone wanted to be an actress and I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not going to stand in line, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of been my mantra throughout my whole life. I just, I'm such a shape shifter and I just fill in what needs to be filled in right. and try to excel in that, you know? Absolutely. You've covered so many different areas and luckily my questions are somehow are magically in line with everything you've just mentioned, uh, which is why <laughs> I do believe in divine timing because even um, our, our juice 
guest host, uh, Rosie, was kind of discussing some of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like tapping into those emotions and creating something, right? To kind of heal. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's a lot of what I'm hearing from what you're saying. Um, but also like, there's there's just there's just so many layers to tap into. I'm gonna start um, kind of from the beginning though. In and what was your first experience with art specifically? Do you remember? Because you were doing everything. It sounds like. But do you remember mm-hmm. that first like moment where you're like, oh, art? This is beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what you consider art. And so to me, like theater is probably the first thing that I remember tapping into. Um, but I can really go as far back as like writing poems for my mom at like five years old, you know, as soon as I could write and then creating dance routines to Aqua, Barbie Girl, you know, like <laughs> hey, recording that's it. Too. That's art too. Yeah. And then um, I remember, I guess the really big thing was um, we would create these plays for my drama club and there was, we needed a stall and it was that magic moment of like, go Christian, go entertain the audience uh, while like, we fix. No, and I was just like, I got it, you know? Yeah. And it was that feeling of, this is something that not everyone can do. Absolutely. And That's a gift. I, um, yeah, and I had a, a monologue I had already memorized in the past. And so I just did the monologue and, and filled the time. And, and that's just, that was really nice for me. And, and also it was drawing within uh, costume construction when I was doing costume construction at Booker T in, in high school. But I was always drawing like my sister. Um, my sister's 10 years younger than I am. So to me, she felt a lot like a daughter or something, mm, you know, because I, yeah, because she was, I changed her diapers or if my mom was busy, um, there was such a big gap between us. I was able to take care of her, you know? And right. so I just remember like being so enamored with her and taking photographs. So that was the other thing too. I had a Barbie film, uh, for, uh, like a camera uh, mm-hmm. when, so it wasn't 35 millimeter, it's a 110 Were they camera. the skinny ones? Yes. And they those. like, yeah, the film looks like binoculars, yeah. like r- round <laughs> yeah, on two I ends. Yeah, my cousin had one of those. Yeah, so I got one of those for Christmas once. Uh, I had to have been like six years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started taking photos really young, and my dad was always into photography and um, like, you know, documenting us and also like the video camera. So he would always give me the video camera and be like, Hey, go, you know, everyone would be playing soccer at Keith's park. And I was like, go interview everybody. So I'd interview all my cousins and take photos, but my little sister became like a total muse and I would put her in different, um, you know, scenarios and tell her how to pose. And I, I take photos of her. So I guess that's, it's a lot a combination. of different, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, always I, I, multitasking. Absolutely. And what you're saying is even in those ways, right? Because especially I know as De Colores, we made it a point to not just um, highlight fine art, right? And and who gets to define what art is? Um, and so what you're saying is like you grew up and were surrounded by it your whole life, whether it was in a museum or not, right? Whether it was a mm-hmm. deep oil painting or a Barbary camera right because you still had the influence you still had the culture you still had um the life experiences even as a six-year-old to really say like this is something I get to create 
Um, and I think that's the beauty of why we love the arts, right? And why we we turn to them in these in these times of um, need and of struggle and even of love and liberation as well. Um, so with that, I, I definitely I want to. I wish we had more time. I do. I will say that because there's so much you mentioned that I want to dissect that is so common for what a lot of um, women of color and and Latinas experience. Right. And even the strange relationship with a father or, or your mother. Um, these are common themes I definitely have seen and witnessed and experienced. Right. And it is heartbreaking. And often it kind of controls a lot of what our feelings of ourself can be, um, which can be very difficult. So I just wanted to address that because I do wish that we could tap into that a bit more. Um, but we do unfortunately have uh, a tough show and there's a dog barking in my background. Um, but I did want to ask you, did you hear the dog? I'm like, I'm sorry, but, <laughs> um, but why performance art specifically? I, I think that is, uh, to me, when I've usually seen it, or at least in the past more so, um, a lot of it has been very like white people centered. Um, and so I definitely, when I saw your work, I was like, where has she been my whole life? Um, because <laughs> I was like, oh, this is, this is so powerful and telling and um, necessary. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I'm just so in love with performance art. I could talk about just that for the entire show, but I have always uh, knew I was an artist, but I didn't know where I really fit in as cliche that may be. Um, and I think that performance art allows for all of these different types of mediums that I'm interested in to be in one piece. Uh, there's also a very rebellious nature about performance art. There is so many different forms and, and different ways to interact with the audience or not interact with the audience. It could be conceptual, it can be ephemeral, it could be um, real, like just a, a life event. So there's just, there's just so much improvisation as well. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time like abiding by the book. And I found my my place in the world because it, I mean, it's not a very easy thing to do when you, when you're such a rebellious person that it almost hurts me to like do the same thing over and over again. Right. Or that routine. You know, yeah. Or like in theater, you are told how to dress, how, what to say, where to look, how who, to you know, yeah. every single thing. And I was like, this sucks. Like, you know, and then yeah. with visual art, I found painting to be so boring. And, and so I wanted something that was just undefinable mm -hmm. or defined by so many ways and it just right. feels like it's so messy and it's so pure and it's so um impactful in a way that you can really touch somebody so for me it just was able to contain me mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm just you know like water or like the ocean just like right. and no so way to really it's funny you say contain you because that's contain you and rebellious is some of the two big things I'm hearing from that. But the irony of it is that it contains you in the sense that you're not limited, right? It's like an ocean. So you're able to flow with the wave as opposed to like, oh, I have to be in the fish tank, which is perhaps different forms of art. And I think 
a perform- performance art is a lot more exciting to me now more than ever because I am seeing more different versions of it. I'm seeing different people um, really immerse themselves and become a part of it. And then um, yours specifically. So there's lots of different themes you've covered. I know I got to witness your um, Grito Choir performance oh. art um, that happened a few months ago with, um, I'm blanking on their name now. Um, Teatro Dallas? Yes, Teatro Dallas. I was like the Latino theater company. Um, no, Teatro and, Dallas, and it was in May the 7th. Yes, so it was, so I, I just thought it was brilliant. Your costume was brilliant. Uh, the Grito, Grito Choir, you had literal 10 people or so. I don't even know how many, 12 maybe. Um, people behind you that were doing, you know, traditional gritos. And so it was just like, and choir robes yes it was just (laughs) and I was like oh I want more of this I would eat it for breakfast um because it was just I don't know I'm a very humorous person so anything that can kind of make me laugh or feels ironic um or is playing with these themes is really something I can enjoy and so even seeing you hand out these awards to like a lot of white people (laughs) saying like thanks for supporting Mexican art I was like oh this is brilliant um (laughs) So obviously I just wish I had known about you sooner, but I'm glad we know each other now because I definitely um, am thrilled to see um, what more your career will develop into for sure. Thanks. Uh, You know, I usually tell people to imagine how many paintings they've seen and, you know, they can usually can't even name because they've they've seen paintings all their life and, and they're everywhere at restaurants and, you know, subways and so we see these images um, that are being told that those are art, but a lot of the times people haven't seen performance art. Right. So like when we think about how many movies we've seen and how many of those movies like weren't good, we're not right. going to be like, I hate movies. I watched right. a movie that was so bad. I'm never watching a movie again. You know, like yeah, no one ever sees that. Yeah, no, it's true. So it's like performance art when people are like, I hate performance art. I'm like, you probably saw two and maybe they were both not that good. It's like, imagine yeah. if you only saw two movies in your life and you're like, I've never seen movies again. Right. <laughs> you're no, like, There's true. so many. Right. Um, well, and that's where people again distinguish because a lot of people don't even see movies as art in some cases, right? They see it, I think, as a form of escapism or just media at large. And I'm like, no, those, those are, yeah, entertainment, right? Um, and mm-hmm. so I think that's where to me, I'm like, oh, I, I am. I think maybe someone like you has really um, made me a lot more excited for performance art again, because of what I, I had typically seen. Uh, what is I don't remember her name, but the real famous lady. Is it like Maurice? Maurice? Marina Abramovic. Yes. She's like the big known one. Right. I think even Jay-Z was like a fan of her. And so she kind of mm-hmm. I feel like she made it more mainstream from what I saw. But I obviously am a little bit ignorant in this arena. So I'm just. No. Yeah. She's the Marilyn Monroe, you know, the yeah. godmother. She's <laughs> I think she even did some campaigns with designers, too. Okay. I remember yeah, when she, she did. Yeah. Yeah, with some fashion designers. And I remember when it happened, people were like, she's a sellout. And we're like, okay. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. We've we've actually talked about that a few times with uh, different artists and celebrities here on the show. But um, I do want to shout out also Colton White, who's very brilliant in their work as well, and also doing performance art here in Dallas. And I I saw their performance on Instagram and I was like, thank you for putting it there so I could watch. But um, I am definitely excited to see what else emerges. Um, We mentioned it briefly, but 
in your most recent show that I was able to visit, and I believe you said is up to the 17th of September. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if a lot of the listeners will get to attend it uh, because it is pretty quick, but it, the theme of motherhood um, and the body as consumption um, is something that I gathered from this recent one. And I am really curious as to how um, that performance will go, but I did appreciate you doing what people are afraid to do. Right. And, and you, you dabble in it in a brilliant way that makes it fun um, and exciting. And so I was wondering if you wanted to tell us a little more about some of the themes in your work, um, especially the recent ones. Yeah. So the show is called Grade A, and there's documentation of the Bridge Awards, which we talked about earlier. And so there's a video, and there's my costume and the trophy that I, I gave. So the you know Bridge Awards, people showed up to see a performance, and I told them, like, it's actually an award ceremony and everyone that's attended is gonna get an award. Uh, And they had bought their tickets on Eventbrite. So I had everybody's name. And so it was a whole award ceremony. And in the beginning I did a spiel and a dance about how public praise is really important to people's self-esteem and dopamine, but also giving public praise is important as well. So, uh, you know, I gave away 29 trophies and they were very tongue in cheek. They, the trophy itself said, like, in honor of your patronage of Mexican-American performance art given by oh. Christian Cruz. And what was cool is that it was in front of the consulate of Mexico. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing, too, that I, it was very site-specific. Like, when I realized that it was going to be in front of the Mexican consulate, I was like, it has to be a, a happy performance. Like, it has to be, like, mm-hmm. congratulatory. It has to be, at least for me, like, I think about those things. And so you can see documentation of that performance at grade A. Um, And there's what I call the breastfeeding room, Mm -hmm. which is another segment of that exhibition. And so what I've been dabbling with for about, I guess, since the beginning of 2020, I was really interested in, in just the labor in my work generally, in my whole repertoire work, it's always been around around like labor and what is work and what is hard work. Um, because my mom was a housekeeper and because I grew up poor, I always think about like, these are, you know, the, the most valuable people in the world. And so a lot of my work comes from getting the people that work the hardest and really understanding the beauty in what they do and putting that into a museum because that's where like the elite are and that's where, um, you know, we're not used to seeing those mm. types of themes. And I always imagine like people like you and me, or perhaps my mother, like being able to see a show and being like, oh, I relate to that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not too complicated. Yeah. So what I have there is a photograph of me milking myself when I still had been producing milk. Um, my daughter's three years old and I breastfed her for 22 months. And so I, uh, you know, there's a statistical data that shows that women breastfeed for like 1800 hours in a year. And the average person that works like 40 hours a week and gets their days off and their holidays and all that works about 1900 hours a year. So there's only like a hundred hour difference. And, you know, there's a 40 hour work week. So when you really think about it, there's only a difference of like a week and some change between a a full-time mother 
breastfeeding their kid right. and someone working, you know, 52 weeks out of the year or whatever. Um, and so I was really interested in that aspect of hard work, you know? And so I started Googling online and found that people were selling their breast milk on Craigslist. Yes, that's a big thing I've heard recently. Well, the thing is, is well, what I find interesting now is that I found a post from 2016 where the breast milk cost 29 cents per ounce. Mm. And so now I didn't check Craigslist, but I went to this website called Breast is Best and people are selling their breast milk for like $5 an ounce, $2.50 wow. an ounce. So let's talk about the inflation of right. breast milk. Right. <laughs> like, it's just like so random. And you're like, you know, no one's ever sitting around in their car in traffic being like, I wonder what the inflation of yeah. breast milk is. <laughs> yeah, well, because now it's a hot item, right? People know it's good for you. And it works magical wonders for people and babies and everything in between. So um, it is definitely very interesting. I love that you incorporate these themes of like, um, the working class being the the backbone essentially of this country and also um, bringing it into the some of the uh, bougiest spaces in the world, right? Because that is very much how art, high art is seen um, in a lot of circumstances. So there you are. Well, I have to ask what your sign is because I love to see your rebel spirit in oh. your work. <laughs> and I'm so curious oh. now. Yeah, so I'm a Gemini sun. Beautiful. Okay, makes sense. I was like, what is this little rebel, uh, mm -hmm. uh, brilliant idea-filled person? Geminis are full of brilliant ideas, that's for sure. Yeah, and I'm a Virgo rising, so there's my follow-through. Hello, period. <laughs> we love it. And Sagittarius moon, there's my confrontation or rebellion. Yeah, yeah that's um, the spontaneity. Yeah, so... Uh, what was I going to say? Um, oh, in the breast milk community, the one that I purchased was a dollar an ounce. And mm -hmm. these posts were, were talking about how they were trying to make ends meet. And they're wow. trying to like have extra cash so they can stay, um, they can stay in in their baby's lives for longer. Wow. So that's when I really started to become interested in like, okay, so this is someone's side hustle. So and then it became much more. about the breast milk on that site? Yeah. Did I tell you this already? Like some people were, wow. oh, okay. Well, the more expensive ones were just so bougie. They're like Harvard educated, um, vegetarian, vaccinated, unvaccinated. Not, not vegan too. You know? Yeah. And it's, yeah. it was just, you want some Harvard educated milk. Yeah. But, uh, because it becomes it was, a thing of race, class, et cetera. Cause people just, I know, obviously I did not go there. I'm like, okay, lady, I don't no, care. You don't want it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm here to like feed the feminist economy. Like, right. yeah. Like, I'm so I try to purchase from people that were like saying that they were struggling and they're like trying to provide or whatever. So I, bought from them and like met them at a parking lot and you know you exchange wow. all that stuff yeah the quickies exchange yeah that's that happens drug trade. yeah so um it's going back to like like feminist economy and i know that sounds like really head-ass when we're really talking about breast milk but that's no, what it, all of so that's what connects everything together where we're talking about like labor and like unseen labor and visible labor like things that um, we're not really making public 
like similar to sex work, like how mm -hmm. we just want to like put it to the side because women right. are making money off of their bodies. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like all tying together. And, and so I have a fridge that says liquid gold and I have like this breast milk in storage bags um, dipped in resin. So they're, you know, frozen basically. And they're in the frozen, the, the freezer. And so in my head, in my imagined world, this is like a bodega in the future where yeah. people just like go to the corner store and buy breast milk or like sell it. breast milk. You know what I mean? So it's just like this apocalyptic world of, I don't know, maybe we care about all the Yeah, so we, we couldn't take care of them. And so yeah. now people are like selling breast milk. I don't right. know. So a, a lot of my art, I just try to find like that untold story and like that, un, like something that I haven't seen before, you know, instead of just creating the same narratives over and over again. Absolutely. I am obsessed. I already knew I liked your work, but now I want to keep talking and I wish we had more time. <laughs> uh, but I do want to ask a couple of final questions as we wrap up. Um, and something that I like to highlight here, and I am always curious what people's um, opinions are, is what has your experience been like as a Dallas and I, I mean, as an artist in Dallas, um, maybe especially after you returned home? Oh, yeah. Um, gosh, it's like, it just feels like so long ago when I came, I, so I think one thing that's interesting, one thing that's interesting about me is that, you know, I studied arts administration, and so I didn't study fine art. And so when I really approach art, I am also a businesswoman, you know, in another way, I'm like a, my own manager. Mm -hmm. So because I have that duality, I think I come at the industry in a very different way than Absolutely. someone that just, just quote unquote, just an artist. Right, so for me, I immediately went to work at a gallery. And even though they were like underpaying me, it was like, you know, the paying your dues sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I went to a gallery that was, uh, it's circuit 12. It's not around anymore, but I worked with them and, um, you know, I worked the openings. And so I met a bunch of people that would come, um, to get the drinks, to get this, you know, to come into the store, to talk. Um, and that way I could meet like the people, you know, mm -hmm. quote unquote, the people, um, and because, you know, your, my online presence was still there. It was a lot about like finding the people that I want to follow. And then there's the social media etiquette, you know, of like commenting and liking and DMing and getting that follow back. And, you know, and, and so there were so many times where people in Dallas, I had been friends with online before I ever met them in person. Yeah, and, and that could have been for years, you know, um, where I would, they were just my online friend until finally I would go to something that they were going to. And, and so there's just like so much networking and, um, you know, there just wasn't for me a lot of, it wasn't very helpful that I had lived here before. At least I didn't plug into those old, um, I didn't feel like I could talk to somebody like a old teacher from Booker T that could have plugged me in or I, I didn't feel like I had that I don't know that connection really instead what I think that Dallas was good for me and this is changing the subject a bit is like my family's here so I was you know I got married here I got a house here I you know have a kid and so that was what was important to me in returning to Dallas 
Um, but it, it's just a lot harder. It's a, lo a lot of work um, yeah. compared to a different city with much more opportunity, with much more, um, you know, people are on top of each other. If I, I was in New York, my roommate would be so uncool and, you know, and I would go to their work and everybody at that work would be an artist as well. Um, when I lived in Chicago, I'd be going to 7-Eleven to buy, you know, toilet paper and run into somebody that was interesting. Um, but here you don't walk anywhere, you drive. So everything is very specific. There's not like a lot of run-ins like, oh, we both go to the same Kroger, you know? <laughs> um, so it, it, it was, it's a lot of work and it's, it's a different ball game. It's a lot of um, fake stuff, a lot of- Ooh, baby. Oh, drink it. <laughs> yeah it's a lot of composure you know it's and you know I think for my work I guess you understand me and how I'm I'm just not miss goody two-shoes type of person and we talked about being rebellious yeah, and I think we don't want you to be we don't want you to be right so it's just finding the right places but even like something like I've always wanted to perform in Oak Cliff Cultural Center tell me why I haven't you know like I've talked to dude and got in a studio visit, straight up had my laptop showing him all of my stuff, never got a show. And I'm not talking about Gerardo Robles, I'm talking about your friend. And I'm just like, and that was like two years ago. Yeah, I'm like, I wish I could speak on your behalf that we, we are not working with them anymore either. So I can't say much anymore. <laughs> Maybe three years ago, I could have helped you. But since the pandemic, there is yeah. a, there's, there's a, I, I don't know if you know, I, I got into it with the Office of Arts and Culture last year. So I'm oh, really? very, oh yeah, we'll talk later. We'll talk later, friend. There's, <laughs> there's plenty there. Um, I hate to hear that though, because I do think there are specific, um, I guess there, at least from my experience in the past, there were a lot of experiences available to people um, like the work you're doing. Um, however, now I will say that they are definitely, the city of Dallas is very much afraid of re rebels by any means, um, especially women of color. Um, so I, I hate to hear that and I'm not surprised um because they are they are aware that they are outnumbered and they don't want to lose that power um so we will have to get drinks soon so we can talk about that um because i <laughs> definitely think you deserve those spaces and more but i don't want you to think that because you're not in those spaces that you are not um just as valuable and or if not more valuable to these spaces than the people they are putting on not that it's a competition right but i do think your work specifically is deeply layered with intention and that's my kind of artist right i love every single detail being noted and i think you do that and more and you're not afraid to talk about your truth your experience and the things in society that people want to brush to the side so I want to congratulate you. I cannot wait till we can um, actually meet up in person and talk about um, a lot of these things and experiences. And I am really excited to see how your work continues to um, grow and flow um, and, and keep pushing the buttons because that's really what art is supposed to do. It's really supposed to um, shake shit up and you're doing it well. Can I say one more thing? Go for it. <laughs> you're like time no no but, um, no no, no. I, guess, I wish I could give you more <laughs> so I guess to really really truly answer your question the opportunities I got in Dallas I created myself and I think that that's the route that's 
worked for me in Dallas. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very good at getting the grants because I took the grant writing class. And if it's not a city grant, it's a federal grant, it's a national grant. And I get these grants that have nothing to do with Dallas, you know? They now it's been more like at the Nasher grant and stuff. And so I find, you know, these spaces like Waz Gallery is just much more open, open minded. Ex Ovo, when I was there, they're much more open minded. And so these spaces that are newer and I can like get into them before they drink the Kool-Aid or they already are much more open minded. And I come with them with money because right. any gallery or any show I've ever been with, I rent it out. Mm. I rent it out and that's not the traditional way to do it right. like the curator right. the gallerist comes to you and offers you money and tells right. you like goes to your studio likes your work puts it up does all of the administration I'm a one-person show I will find mm. the money I will find the venue do all of the administrative all of the marketing and I'm the artist right. and that's what I've done to to make it work or yeah. I go out of the city and since I've been here, I've also performed in Boston, I've performed in Chicago, I've performed in New York, I've performed mm -hmm. in Mexico City, all while still living in Dallas. Like the first right. two years, I didn't perform in Dallas. I couldn't find a place to show me. I performed right. like all over or even virtual somewhere else. And it's like, if I'm still sticking around, then eventually like people started to notice. But my work is much more inclined to be in a museum and the museums here are not giving shows to like local artists. And so that's a whole nother Absolutely. tea party. I, no, <laughs> and I cannot wait to sip it and I'll bring my chamomile and my cinnamon sticks and everything. Because <laughs> it, what you're saying is exactly what we've been critiquing about this city since this show began, is that this city does not support the artists. It does not support the rebels. And so we're literally thriving nationally, if not globally, because of how little it supports its artists. And instead we got a billion dollars going to DPD, right? Um, and mm. so it's just, there's so much to it. And I, I hate that that's your experience. And I also admire um, that you are still making it happen and you're looking amazing while doing it. So hopefully we can continue to demand more for this <laughs> city because Dallas has the talent, but it does not invest in its artists, its creators, its rebels, its fighters. And hopefully it will start to do that because it is crucial to what a culture of a huge city needs. So I am sending you all my love. I wish we could talk more, um, but okay, what can I'm we done. expect from you in the near future? Where do we find and support your work? Instagram, the Hana stories uh, is pretty much the, the whole spiel. I put everything there um, because the next thing I have going on would be in December, I'm performing for the Momentary, which I talked about. I'm, I'm, um, it's a symposium for performance artists and I've been with them for a long residency. Um, but I'm hoping that there's something in between there. You know, last year I got invited to the Dallas Art Fair. I haven't gotten any invitations, but hopefully I can. If not, I'm going to still hustle my stuff on Instagram, trying to get a catalog together and just um, a lot of writing done. Um, and, you know, I envision creating my own position somewhere with the Dallas Contemporary or like the DMA and you know, getting my own Warhol grant and uh, doing what needs to be done. You know, that's how you do it. Yeah. I'm like, or 
we can make your own come to the colores and we can make stuff happen <laughs> we don't need the Dallas contemporaries we can have a the colores museum for you to lead well thank you so much for of having course. me I had of a great course. time I'm glad I'm <laughs> glad you joined us I will have to hit you up soon but thank you so much to Dallas's own Christian Cruz it's been a joy and uh, a joy to see you and experience your work and I'm excited to see your continued evolution so thank you for being on Decolores Radio today bye I'm excited for the tea we already got some <laughs> hello all right that means it is time for some grounding I need a breath after that because whoo baby it started getting real boiling spicy hot there at the end um, so big thanks to Christian and we still have a lot more beautiful people to come. I told y'all this was going to be a special jam-packed show. Um, so I will now do very briefly our self-care corner of the day. Dun, dun, dun. I think I have to sing the song because if not, my listeners will be mad at me. So I will say self-care corner. Yay. I wish we had audio clips so I don't have to sing it every time, but that's okay. Maybe in the future. Um, all right, so my self-care corner tip as we breathe a little bit um, and take a moment for ourselves to unwind is to um, consider doing an inner child activity. I um, recently got a word search book. I used to love doing word search puzzles as a kid. I remember doing them with my tia and I thought it was so calming and relaxing um, because I have to work on social media and on the World Wide Web. I am glued to my phone. So I'm trying to spend less time on my phone and buying this word search book has reminded me of my childhood a little bit and also allowed me to um, just focus on something. Um, so I also some, saw someone else say they were finger painting recently. Um, so shout out to my friend that did that. I want everyone to do something that brought them joy when they were a kid. I think it's really affirming and healing. And that is my self-care corner tip of the day. Do, 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 do. Right. We've got our self-care corner. So that means it's time for our brown and black business of the week. Pat, take it away, will ya? Take it away, folks. That's what I heard. I heard take it away, like Johnny Ganadas when you said that. That's what so, I was going for. So thank right. you. I, I felt that. I felt like I was watching on a Saturday afternoon with our family. Um, so my brown business, brown and black business of the week this week, I, like I've said, just moved to New Mexico. So I'm trying to find a lot of great um, brown and black and indigenous uh, businesses to support out here. And one of my friends that I am, um, that I met recently told me that New Mexico has the only indigenous owned comic book shop. Y'all know I love comics, so I had to make my way out there. Um, but it's called Red Planet, uh, Red Planet Com Books and Comics. They're really great. They had children's books. I looked at stuff for my nephews. They even had um, fiction books. And then they had a lot of, they had a whole section full of like indigenous authors and illustrators that they recommend. Um, it's a really cute shop. They even had something that you can do a membership to support them, to keep them afloat. And you can do like, come in, just get books as you need, or even do online. I think they did online as well, but their name is, uh, Red, Red Planet Books and Comics. 
Um, I got a book that I have referenced before in the past um, as a Who You Got is a comic book now, and I got it there. And then I also looked for comic books to get our nephews. Um, they're really sweet, really helpful. Um, so Red Planet Books and Comics in Albuquerque. You can find them at Red Planet Books and Comics. And I believe their Instagram is, let me see what it is so I can share it out to everyone. I was going to ask, can you, can you shop from them online? Um, Red Planet BMC is their Instagram. I believe you can check out their catalog on their website. They also have a native, a native literature curriculum on there and distribution and like memberships you can do. So I think they have some stuff that you can order and shop online. I'm assuming they probably would ship as well because they do carry a lot of native authors and comics there that you could order in store. Um, and they feature them on their website as well. So if y'all want the website, people can reference it and take a look. It's really cool. They, they have artwork that I want to go back and get as well. Um, the website is Red Planet Books and the letter N, comics.com. Um, and they have like children's books and everything that you can shop through and look at. They were really friendly and accommodating when I was like look, telling them that I was trying to find books for like a seven-year-old that is into space. And they were like, oh, well, these are what we have and like all this stuff. Um, they were super friendly. I definitely plan on going back. I think they had like a membership that you pay like a hundred a year or something to help them. And then it like lets you get like a certain amount of comics a month. So you just walk in and get the comic. Yeah. Sounds perfect for a comic person. Yep. So I just wanted to shout them out. They're really cool. Nice. Well, hopefully if any of us ever go to New Mexico, we can check this place out or hopefully we'll start getting some more listeners in New Mexico and they'll be like, wow, I didn't know that. Funny enough, you said that today when I was in a drive through, I did give a Decolora sticker out because they were like, oh, what did you do in Dallas before you in came a drive through? <laughs> yeah. I don't even want to know. <laughs> I'll share the story later. It was kind of funny. I like you're like, thanks for my chicken nuggets. I'm from Dallas and I really miss these. How was that Taco Cabana? Oh god, even worse. <laughs> All right. Well, uh yes. I, that is our brown and black business of the week. Thank you, Pat, for sharing of that course. with us. Of course. Now I get to incorporate a new segment. I am trying my best to highlight as many peachel pe people as possible on the Colores radio. So this episode specifically is very much a radio show style podcast um, where I wanted to highlight um, an upcoming event or some new news happening in Dallas or the South at large. So this will hopefully continue um, to kind of just highlight a moment and some of the amazing people in our city. Um, I have known both of these brilliant people for a minute and I am so glad that they allowed me to, to, to throw them into our next segment to also highlight um, an important event exhibition that is happening here soon. So I am welcoming to the show Victoria Ferro Ortiz and Priscila Escobedo, welcome to The Colores Radio. Welcome to our new segment, Southside. What's up? How are y'all doing? Hi, I'm just so happy to be here. I'm such a huge fan. And I mean, I've told Eva already, but I think that all the The Colores team should know um, just how big of a fan I am. Like I listened uh. whenever I was doing accounting in my job and wishing that I was doing nonprofit work. And mm. um, you all guys, you guys got me through some tough times and mm. I just love y'all. 
Thank you. I promise I didn't pay her to say this. That really does. When you told me this last week, I got chills because especially from friends, it means even more because I'm like, oh, wow. Like y'all are, I do it for everyone, right? Or we do it for everyone. But when your friends resonate with it too, it's like, okay, great. It's it's hitting home as well. So I, I'm glad we've been able to be there for you. And honestly, I think we're all here for each other in different ways. Absolutely. How are you're like uh, Dallas historian galore? Thank you. I'm trying really hard. Um, yeah, you know, I've just been got piles of books that I've been reading pretty recently. One is called To the Line of Fire Mexican Americans During the First World War. Mm, so it's been really interesting, kind of learning a bit more about that. Um, yeah, that's basically I just hoard information and then I put it on the internet. <laughs> And I also tell Beautiful. people in the streets, like, hey, guys, I do love you know it. what Mario used to be? Like, that's that's my, that's my whole life. <laughs> no, you're a very important person to have and to exist and to to share all this important information and history that we so often um, are kind of shielded from. Uh, both of you are on the Dallas Mexican-American Historical League Committee. Is that correct? So we're both board members and emerging historians. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And I'm I'm currently serving as the vice president of the organization. Hey, let's go. So I love to see fresh faces. I don't mean that in any kind of way, except that like there's so much history we need to know and and bringing it in new and innovative ways to a people of all ages is really critical to us really learning our history. Um, there is a new exhibit, however, opening at the start of uh, Latino Heritage, Heritage Month, September 16th, I believe, specifically, which is Mexican Independence Day. Um, but this exhibit is specifically highlighting Oak Cliff. So I am curious as to how um, y'all landed on that theme and why. Yeah, uh, so like I shared earlier, Priscilla and I are emerging historians, although Priscilla came before a, a group of the, the younger um, board members joined. So um, I think that part of that was because of that presence. A lot of us are from Oak Cliff and we have a Damal Barrio map, which has been great. It's a great resource for the community, but Oak Cliff is, isn't designated as a barrio on that map. And so we literally were, were trying to put Oak Cliff on the map and have an exhibit to talk about our history, the, wow. the history that we've lived. Why is that, that it's not on the map? It's because um, the map before focused on varios from the early 1900s up into the 70s, okay. I think. And so like the the trickle of um, Mexican-American presence or Latinx presence in Oak Cliff happened, like DeMaul has been able to find the earliest presence in the 40s. And so mm. it just, it wasn't popping in Oak Cliff like it was in like West Dallas Ledbetter, for instance. Right. And that has to do with a lot of like the railroad hist history, right? Priscilla, do you want to jump in and share with us a little more, um, pick up where Victoria was kind of mentioning why Oak Cliff um, kind of became this huge cultural hub, especially for Mexicanos? Yeah, definitely. So it's a kind of a mix between a couple of things, um, economic factors, social structures kind of being built up in the Oak Cliff area. And then, of course, gentrification, pushing Mexican-American Latinx communities out of what was once the Mexico, East Dallas or um, kind of like the older East Dallas area mm -hmm. out of what people now call Trinity Grove. That used to be um, uh, La Bajada and Los Altos. So a right. lot of that kind of like pushing people out. It brought people out into areas like Oak Cliff. And then my family, they went to a different barrio. I completely forgot what it was called. And my mom's going to get mm -hmm. on to me for that. Um, right. But she lived in another barrio that's kind of 
a little bit past West Dallas. So okay. again, you're seeing these new communities cropping up as more and more pressures are moving them out of certain areas and more opportunities for economic growth and communities are being brought up in different areas. So that's kind of long and short of it. I love it. I wish we had more time so I could ask way more questions. Um, so what does the Oak Cliff exhibit look like? What is it highlighting? What are you all most excited about for people to see? Yeah, so it's going to be a month-long event, and we'll have a speaker series. We're going to have a historical photo exhibit at the Latino Cultural Center. Um, podcast episodes will be released in the mix of all of this, and we'll have a documentary premiere um, all on Oak Cliff. And keep in mind that half of these events are virtual, so it, it's taking into factor that, you know, we're living through a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we want people to be able to participate no matter what. Right. Then um, some of them will happen in person, obviously the exhibit itself and um, one of our speaker series and the documentary premiere. So there's a lot going on, six different events and I love it. honestly, even more than that. For sure. Priscilla, did you have anything else to add? I love that y'all are um, doing so many virtual options and really encouraging people to get involved um, throughout the month. Yeah, definitely. So we are pretty active on social media. Follow our Instagram page at um, Damal Official, D-M-A-H-L Official. We also have a Twitter page and a Facebook page. We like posting about events, posting about other organizations, events in our stories. And of course, we post photographs specific, especially from our collection over at the Dallas Public Library and from other um, collections that highlight Mexican-American, Latinx communities, or specifically Mexican-American, Chicano and Tejano communities from Dallas. I love it. I can't stop saying it because I really do enjoy y'all's work. I can't wait to go see the exhibit myself. And I'm very glad that y'all were down to help establish our new segment, Southside. What's up? So you can tell us what's going on um, in our lovely city of Dallas. And then, of course, anywhere in the South at large um, for the future as well. So thank you both for joining the show. And I hope to see you all in person to give you a masked hug at this exhibit and congratulations on all your amazing work. Thank you so much, Eva. Could I share one last bit about the exhibit? Absolutely. Thank you so much. So I wanted to really quick run through our schedule. So Mm -hmm. this weekend, this Saturday, we're going to have Dr. A.K. Sandoval Strauss, who is the author of Barrio America, How Latino Immigrants Saved the American City, offer a presentation, and that one will be virtual. Um, It's a book, if you don't have it, that specifically talks about the impact that our community had on saving cities. Mm -hmm. Um, And Oak Cliff is one of the examples that he talks about. I think Uh, I remember seeing him at another talk in West Dallas, maybe a couple years ago. I feel like I've seen we've worked with him before because he was highlighting Oak Cliff, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. But yeah, it is very interesting work. That makes sense. And then we have um, two community involvement panels. One of them is in English and one is in Spanish. And our English panelists will be Yolanda Alameda, Juan Contreras, and Giovanni Valderas. And our Spanish ones will be Mary Luparas, Raul Reyes, and Violeta Gerardo. Um, Then our documentary premiere on the 30th. And that's kind of like like for me, that's the thing that I'm most excited about. So I just Aww. wanted to plug all that. Thank you. No, please, please do that. Thank you for sharing that with us. I will hopefully be able to attend as much as I can. And thank you both for being on the show. Thank you for your brilliance. And we wish you all nothing but the best in your personal lives and with them all. So thank you. 
Thanks, y'all. And oh, and by the way, my mom, she grew up for a time in Arcadia Park. So shout out to Ooh, everyone from okay. Arcadia Park. Yes. Yeah. And um, <laughs> if you're listening in and you're from Fort Worth, there is also an organization called Ola Tarrant County, H-O-L-A. Look us up online. We're also kind of trying to do Demal kind of work in Fort Worth. So. Oh, wow. Very cool. Good to hear that. Shout out to Funky Town. All right. Thank you both. We are definitely over time. So that means we are going to run to our final segment. That is who you got. Pat, I am going to override both of ours and say that I think we have a shared um, who you got this week and a special guest even for this segment um, because we've both been enjoying this show and we thought who else can we bring besides the newly appointed um, arts commissioner, um, apparently the first ever indigenous person com- uh, onboarded to a committee in the city of Dallas. Um, the iconic, the brilliant, the beautiful Jody voice, Yellowfish. Welcome back to the Colores, friend. Oh, hello. Hello. We, try, we try to have a chanting voice, like cheer, but I, I can't. know we need, to, <laughs> we need to get the sound effects. We got to get the sound effects. Yeah. How- it's good to see you. I, I've missed working with you and um, it's been Same. a pleasure to, to kind of know your heart and soul in this work. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to, to chat about this because I, well, I don't get to chat about it anywhere else. Listen, so. Exactly. I said, I am not going to just uh, throw my friend in to talk about indigenous stuff. I ain't trying to be like that, <laughs> but this show is so fun. It's so special. We mentioned it previously in a I think a couple episodes ago it was like when the first episode came out yes and so now uh reservation dogs is about seven episodes in and they just got renewed for a second season yes I was so excited like (laughs) it is it is such a fun show there's so many fun layers and components the acting is incredible just (laughs) everything is so enjoyable and so i definitely uh i want to hear your thoughts because i know you said you even worked with the with the creator right uh no i haven't personally i mean okay it's it's funny too i mean people joke about like indian country we say indian country like it's so small and we're all related we're all connected and Uh you know all kinds of things like that so it's like I, I bet you everyone has some kind of story how they're connected yeah. to somebody on that show. Yeah, like, like sure. no lie. Like, that's how it is. <laughs> I love it. And how does that feel? Because this, to me, is the first Indigenous show I've ever seen. Um, because I know I've seen, like, movies, like, um, what is it called? Uh, the classic with the fry bread power. Oh, my gosh. I can't. Smoke Signals. Yes. Smoke yeah. Signals. Thank you. I'm <laughs> like, I know I know that one. I've seen that one. I've seen maybe one more. And then as a TV show, I'm like, Wow. I'm excited to see what this does for um, indigenous media at large. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, and it's crazy. Like, I've I've had conversations because um, I was really pushing uh, Rutherford Falls as well. That that came out this oh, year. I want to watch okay. that. I, I saw that you one. post about it, and I still need to yeah, watch it. That one came out, and um, it's it's a different it's a different vibe. It's still really funny, but it's um, I don't know, not so homey not so like familial and like not just just not as 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 grimy as the stories are with these guys like they're they're just like like Rutherford Falls was a little more um a little more polished I guess Mm -hmm. with the story yeah and um I mean 
of course, it's like the main character is somebody that like could totally be like me or my sister, any friends that I went to college with, like legit, sure. like trying to run a, a cultural center, trying, you know, things like that. <laughs> like, okay, I got to watch that one too. Yeah, it, it, it's really good. Um, and then, but with Reservation Dogs, it's, it like I said, it's so like, that's, you see how you grew up. You see all the of rawness. The, yeah, like, you know, like the other show has the the humor, but this is the humor you're like, whoa, I didn't think they'd even put that on. <laughs> right, on very show. specific like, detail. Yeah, yeah. And they make it so natural. And then it, I, I think it's interesting because it's in Oklahoma. I'm not sure where Rutherford takes place, but um so this one's in oklahoma so obviously it's it feels very familiar as just being in the south in general um but the things they highlight and i think it's so exciting that it's young people right so adults are eating this show up and it's about like four or five pre not preteens but teenagers right yeah um that are figuring it out and they're trying to find ways to save money so that they can um escape to california and finally feel some freedom outside of their um you know their their community so it's been really really beautiful to kind of uh to watch yeah and I like how you said like you know like they are trying to escape but it's Mm -hmm. like it's slowly showing them like no they they have roots like yeah they don't want to get rid of them and that's something else too like within like native communities like that's what's in our head is you you come back you Mm. you know you leave but you come planted yeah, you always come back. And that's, mm. everybody has that story. Like if you've left to go to, to college, anything, you come back and you go, especially me, I went to a tribal college. So it's like, we all had the same story. It's like, we're doing this right. for our people. We're doing this for our community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's like you slowly see how they are all reaching that point within, you know, within the story, yeah. like they're figuring out their roots and their, their character development for each character, like each episode, how we get to see like a different side of them that we don't see amongst their group of friends yeah, yeah. has really like, oh man, I love each one. Even the one with the, the one that they were saying was the uncle, like that one was hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, kind it's of- funny. It's funny. Like, um, like being being native, especially a tribe, you know, like I'm I'm a Skogi Creek and so is like the create like the creator, the writers and things like that. And you see they use all this language, right? Like from yeah. our friend. It's like it's literally like it's it feels odd. Like you're excited and it's like this is crazy. Like they're literally right. saying this or that. And like um like I really thought it was funny. There's a scene with like a dispensary, you know, <laughs> and they're going to and like but the, the name for it, that's how we say smoke. Like oh, my name. gosh. How funny. Yeah. Like little are, are they saying stuff like they say Chabon all the time or mm-hmm. Mado. And it's like, I, I, I say these things. It's yeah, no, like, literally some of them. I'm like, oh, Jody says that to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's it's just odd. Like, it's it's an odd feeling to see yourself on this level. And it feels like so personal. Like, mm. this is our story. This is my mm-hmm. story. Like, right. so everybody has those you know those crazy ass uncles like yeah. all these crazy you know we got these quiet uncles and dads yeah. that are funny and right. joking around constantly and right. so it's just it's funny it's it's fun to see um you know like te- being you know these stories being told but you know they don't have to be so um dramatic. Right? yes yeah. dramatic you know events yeah. like like these huge things that have to happen you have to overcome and it's like no like this is we're, story- yeah, we're storytellers 
but sometimes there's no point to the story. Like, (laughs) you know, I mean, even the sonic representation or the flaming (laughs) flamers. Sent me. It absolutely yeah. sent me. I was like, like they were like, oh, you, why do you like Sonic so much? And I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like it was just so real. And I was like, I, I love this show. And I've only seen like one critique of it, uh, which I hadn't. I've, I'm like one episode behind, but I just watched the episode and they were discussing a little bit um, that they were saying that some of it seemed kind of anti-black because of that episode with uh, the dad and like his character his character kind of being, you know, seen as low and connecting him to like a rapper. I don't know if you'd seen that critique of it. Um, I, I've seen a, a little bit of, a little bit of um, backlash about that. And mm-hmm. like, I didn't pick up on that. Cause like, again, like, like that guy, he's a real rapper. Like he's okay. I don't know like, that. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a real, he's a real rapper. He's a real hip hop artist, like from like within like, muskogee nation like he grew up like in oklahoma like wow and like literally like my husband watched the episode and was like he reminds me of so-and-so like one of my friends i went to school with and i was like (laughs) they literally grew up in the same place yeah yeah and it's like yeah he i said that's exactly he could have played that guy exactly Mm -hmm. like and you know i hadn't heard that like specifically but i had heard about how um or come across on social media how it didn't have um you know, black native representation within mm-hmm. it. Um, and I, I think sometimes it's like with with especially with um within like Creek Nation, we have a lot of, you know, um black tribal members, you know, and it's like I, I just never it never crossed my mind. Like, but there are a lot of people, I guess they do have that um, you know, somebody's othered in a way, you know. So mm-hmm. it's like I, and I feel like with the with um with that being brought up, I feel like it'll be addressed somewhere along the way, like a, mm-hmm. a story. Um, right. And that's what I'm hoping for. I'm like, I think I always say critique is, oh, our bestie is here. Oh, little sunflower. We miss you, sunflower. How are you doing? Good to see you, buddy. Oh, sweet baby. Wow. The icon. We um, love the cameo. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyways, what am I saying? I'm so distracted because I want to talk to Sunflower. Um, <laughs> I, I, that's what I was going to say. The critique is valid, and I do hope that improves, right? Because mm-hmm. I do think we know anti-Blackness is inherent in all communities, yeah. and that is something that is true, and I do hope that it improves because we don't want it to um, keep going in that way when it's so yeah. strong in every other arena, right? Yeah, like, and, and that's else. something, too, like... Um, I, I am glad that that's being brought up in conversations because, you know, I'm always one of those people that I'll call it out. Like, you know, like, and, you know, and I mean, that's come up here in our own community and I've called it out. I've called people out and it's, it, it raises tensions and it makes things uncomfortable and things right. like that, but it needs to happen. Um, yeah. So it's like, I, I'm, I'm glad it's being brought up. Definitely. Um, yeah. I think that means that's only more room for growth because it is mm-hmm. the show is so exciting. And I'm like, oh, it's just so refreshing to have a show that's not extreme trauma or heartbreak or, or yeah. pain um, and is bringing joy and characters. And I just love it. I'm glad you could share with us um, your feelings and your thoughts on it. Would you consider it uh, a bittersweet feeling because you hadn't seen this before um, to this degree for you? Like, yeah, like definitely. Yeah, definitely. Like, like I've had like I've had this conversation about it. Like, you know, like I have some friends that are non-native 
and they'll be texting me, oh my gosh, I just watched this. And mm-hmm. like, they'll mention something or they'll ask me something. And I, I always think it's like, this is so crazy. Like, like I'm almost 40 years old. And this is the first time I get to talk mm-hmm. about something on this level. Right. Like, you know, we've had movies and they're always, you know, they can be kind of cheesy, they can right. be, you know, but it's like we had to cling to those things because we didn't have anything. They else. still meant something. Yeah. And like it's funny too, like with Rutherford Falls, like there's a whole scene where they're calling out some movie and Ed Helms is like, but Dances with Wolves is your favorite movie. And yeah. she's like, but there was nothing else. She's like, it had to be my favorite movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, like literally that's how it feels. It's like mm. we've never had this, you know this this agency this you know where we can we can share things about us mm-hmm. and i think too um something that's really exciting especially exciting especially for like folks like close to my age this generation where we're raising our kids now is that we're probably one of the first generations that's okay with sharing mm. different things like funny things like different right. stories mm-hmm. and um, and I can see that with like Sterling Harjo, like he's mm-hmm. just, I think he's just a tiny bit older than me, like maybe not even much, but um, yeah, it's like, you know, he's feeling okay with sharing funny. Right. And sharing, that's the creator you know, of this show. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, or like the last episode had, you know, had um, music, like hymns that we hear in churches and everybody was on social media. Like I just started crying oh, and wow. like, that's because that's how it is with, with mm-hmm. Muskogee people like these hymns make you cry because it's wow. like that's your connection that's language that's or you know you hear them and you're just like all of a sudden emotional even outside of this context of a story and it's right. like this has never happened or right. you know our superstitions like people were texting me about so what does this owl mean what is yeah. I've never heard a deer woman oh yeah I was wondering the, about the owl the deer woman and I meant to look up the deer woman because I thought that storyline was so cool I'm on yeah, the that right now like it's 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 great. It's a um, and and it's it's she's gotten like, you know, like like my age, she had a bad rap. It was to keep you like in line, like because we we had you know outside parties. They call them forty nines, mm-hmm. right? Like everybody goes partying outside, and it's like to keep you like not getting too crazy. Like dear okay. woman's gonna get you. Like mm-hmm. if you get too too this way or that way, and but then it's like when you hear the real stories of what she is it's like she only got bad people like that like you know like the show was saying Mm -hmm. so it's like um she's a very empowering story you know especially like it seemed really cool yeah Yeah. and it's like mmiw ladies like um because she goes after people that have hurt women and children and Mm -hmm. you know so it's like um it was funny like i was talking about that storyline with Foz, and, and Foz said so she's like a superhero. Like Aww. she goes, she gets justice and things like that. So, um, but there's like you could probably find this at like mm. Red Planet. Like oh, you could cool. probably, probably find can. that there. Yeah. Like, this is I'm gonna have to write it day. down. Yeah, it's um. Thank you. Yeah, like, but it's like, yeah, it made me go back and check these stories and go back and um, mention it with my kids and things like right. that. Like I would have not really tell them about dear woman because it would yeah how do do they feel watching this because they're getting to enjoy it as like preteens, children teenagers are they really excited to watch it with yeah they think it's they think it's hilarious like they they see all the humor it's like really cool to see themselves in the story and Mm -hmm. um yeah and to me to see them at that age i was like i can't imagine what my life 
could be or would be um if i had if i had that at my, mm-hmm. that age you know and it's like so it's it's different it's it's neat to see it's like exciting to see how it affects them absolutely and i think how this like i said this show will affect uh inter- the entertainment industry at large right because all it takes is that one show where mm-hmm. the entertainment industry says oh shoot this community gives us views they're watching they're here they're supporting so it's gonna be really interesting to see what comes here um in the future well i uh wish we could talk more maybe we can watch it together one day or something (laughs) um but we do have to wrap up the show so thank you jody for joining us um do you want to share with us where to follow you i know you've started some new work as well or your own um your own uh organization correct uh yeah so i mean uh, my personal is always my name and anybody can look up jody voice yellowfish and find me on all of my socials um but i also chair uh mmiw texas rematriate which is missing and murdered indigenous women um and we have facebook and instagram at the moment and soon we'll have twitter um but we what we do on our socials are educate and raise awareness but also we share as many um missing persons flyers and info to our area as as much as possible um you know things are a little different with um still dealing with the pandemic and things like that uh so we don't have as much um in-person events you know things like that but um yeah follow our our socials mmiw texas rematriate uh reach out if ever in a situation um a crisis situation where we can help you find your loved ones or your relatives and your community members and um i have i have um advised and helped people that are non-native it's not just just um you know, that is our focus but if the the need arises then i can help in some way uh guide you and help you walk through that situation i'm i'm definitely there to do that Beautiful. Thank you so much, Jody. I think that's an issue we don't get to highlight enough on here, mm-hmm. and it is something deeply affecting um, our community in Dallas at large. Dallas is a mm-hmm. huge hub of that. Yes. Um, but with that, we appreciate your beautiful presence. We will um, hopefully get to see you sometime soon. And that mm-hmm. officially wraps it up for us here at The Colores Radio. Thank you so much for joining us today. Major thanks to everyone who jumped in with us today. Full show, lots of badass Texas women killing the game, really just doing their thing. Uh, Rosie, Christian Cruz, Victoria Farrell Ortiz, Priscila Escobedo, and Jody Voice Yellowfish. Be sure and support your local artists and historians, everyone. Special thank you to all our squirrel friends, homies, and rider dies on Patreon. Remember, you too can become a financial supporter of the Decolores Radio family and get early access to exclusive content at patreon.com slash decoloresco. We truly cannot go on without your support. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a darn review. Pat, you ain't even on here. It's all right, though. (laughs) Sorry. I'm taking you you back off because you're hella echoey. We'd love to keep growing. So if something resonated with you in this episode, please share it with someone you know. Uh, don't be afraid to reach out to us and follow us on Decolores, at Decolores Co. If you enjoy our personal thoughts, you can follow me at Eva Arreguin and Pat at Pat.Arreguin. Our theme song is Cumbia Anthem by El Dusty. Yo, 
Our audio editor is Jeremy Pacina. We promise to keep going and providing you with entertaining content and more importantly, a platform for your voices and work to be lifted. Support us on Patreon or visit us at decoloresradio.com. Thank you so much again for being with us and join us again next time for Decolores Radio. Woo! Bye!